Welcome to Psyched for Psychology, a Nystrom & Associates podcast. Our hosts, Michelle Iverson and Brett Cushing, are both licensed marriage and family therapists at Nystrom & Associates. Each week, they talk about all things mental health and therapy, and you get a chance to dive into specific psychology topics that help promote personal development and wellness. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Brett. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Psyched for Psychology. We are incredibly excited to have another interview with one of our fabulous directors, Krista Overson. Krista is a lifelong Minnesotan. She was raised in the North Woods of Duluth. Um, she's also a licensed marriage and family therapist with 10 years of clinical experience. And she has seven years of experience in this topic that we wanted to interview and talk with her on today called EMDR. She works with adults, couples, families. She supervises therapists who are all working towards their license. And outside of work, uh, she really likes to play with her niece and her two nephews. And so she is the director of our Bloomington Clinic, um, which is a really lovely, pretty large clinic over by the airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's the best one. No offense. <laughs> it's we, okay. Offense taken. <laughs> for, for those of us who also exactly. are directors for our own clinics. Exactly. Just a little bit. Yeah. We'll talk about narcissism. <laughs> okay, fine. We're the third best. <laughs> but we are so excited to have you on today, Krista. Well, I'm excited to be here. I love to talk about EMDR. I always say that explaining EMDR is the hardest part. In practice, it's extremely simple to do, mm-hmm. but it's it's a little bit tricky to explain at times. So I'm happy to jump in wherever you yeah. want me to. Well, what does EMDR, uh, a lot of people probably maybe heard that, but don't quite know even just what that means and what each of those initials kind of stand for. Yes, that's a great place to start. Um So it has a fancy sounding name. So E is for eye, as in like your eyeball. M is movement. So eye movement. And then desensitization is the D. And reprocessing is the R. So eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, which is a (laughs) a mouthful. (laughs) And so when people hear about it, I think for the first time, it can be a little intimidating because it's like, well, what the heck is this? They're like, eye movement, right? Like, what? (laughs) Am I going to be hypnotized, right? But Mm -hmm. um, it has to do with the way that our brain stores memories. So another kind of fancy term is bilateral stimulation. So the eye movement is a form of bilateral stimulation, which is has to do with how the brain stores memories. So basically, when we think about EMDR, we're thinking about how to how the brain is storing traumatic memories or distressing memories. And then we want to work with the way the brain naturally is to kind of access those. So mm-hmm. the eye movements are one of the ways we access memories in the brain. So that's the overview of what it stands for. Great. Yeah. And so we use this approach a lot with as one of, I think, a lot of different types of trauma treatment that people can seek out. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What got you really interested in doing EMDR with clients? Well, so my story starts actually long before I ever became a therapist. I was coming out of college and I was um, full of angst and full of, you know, kind of just I was struggling with some of my own depression and I had tried regular therapy, you know, I kind of discern talk therapy is kind of the traditional um, kind of therapy. And I had tried that off and on over the years, kind of in high school, a little in college. And it was, it was fine. It, you know, it, it, it helped, but I, I guess I kind of, I didn't, 
experienced it as this kind of breakthrough type of thing. Um, when I was getting out of college, my aunt actually uh, recommended a therapist who does EMDR. And I was like, well, I have no idea what this is, but I want to try it. Mm-hmm. So I started going to this therapist and experienced EMDR myself. And I was like, whoa, like this is so different from anything that I've experienced. And I found it so helpful. And from there, I kind of pieced together like, you know, I kind of want to do this. Like I want to become a therapist and I want to be able to help people the way that I've been helped. And so that's honestly what got me into it. So I kind of learned EMDR in reverse, Mm -hmm. having experienced a bunch of it. And then I went to grad school and then I got my training in EMDR. So it was kind of like, ooh, now I'm getting to see like how this all works. I love that. It really reminds me of an episode we did talking about the wounded healer Mm -hmm. and how we... Some of the best therapists really are the ones that have gone through therapy. They've been comforted. Now they can comfort somebody else. They can take what they've learned and apply it to their life and extend it to other people. Right. Exactly. Well, and I, and I do sometimes choose to share that with clients, you know, if the, if the timing is right and it seems appropriate, because I, I never want people to feel like I'm just sitting on this high horse with all the answers. Right. Mm -hmm. And just like, oh, well, I know what you need. And so the cool part about knowing how EMDR works in session is I think it's made me a lot better at practicing it because I can kind of pick out like, okay, here's where that belief came from. Here's where that belief came from having experienced it myself. So I would say that beyond my training in EMDR, like that's probably been the most helpful thing is being the client (laughs) in in EMDR. So I'm wondering if you could give a sales pitch, if you will, why... With somebody who's experienced trauma, uh-huh. why would they want to do EMDR? Because like, it, it is, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would somebody be interested? Somebody's listening and, and maybe they've heard of this. Yes. And they're thinking, oh, I don't know what the EMDR, like, well, like sounds cool, but yep. why? Why should I do this? Totally. Well, I, honestly, I do, I do have a, a bit of a sales pitch at times because I will have clients come in who never were referred for EMDR, but just kind of start off as a, as a kind of traditional therapy client. And over time, you know, I I might kind of realize like, wow, I think EMDR could be really helpful for this person. But yes, I do have to give a bit of a pitch because it's like, why should we switch what we're doing and kind of switch gears? Mm -hmm. So what I always tell people is our brains are so, our brains are so particular about how they store information. When we're really young, um, we are in sort of the survival mode, like hypnosis state. It's not really hypnosis, but the brain waves of young children um, are similar to someone who's under a hypnotic, highly suggestive state. I don't know if you guys have ever learned that, but um, it's, it's, I can't remember if it's gamma yeah, I, waves or. Well, I experienced it all through grade school. I just daydreamed <laughs> yes. the entire time. Well, yeah. Right. And so it's, it's so fascinating because if you think about it, these, Young children, especially zero to seven, are in a highly impressionable state because they are trying to make sense of the world. They are trying to survive, right? And so they're kind of just absorbing all of this different information. So that's all fine and good. But then if something distressing happens, so a traumatic experience or even something that's really confusing, that gets really stored differently in the brain than other information. So that's all going on. And then what happens is if, if those memories that were distressing or confusing never get re-accessed, they stay in this folder that kind of goes on to dictate a lot of different things. For example, as you both know, 
beliefs about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if I'm really little and I have an experience, I'm going to attribute it to myself because kids are also kind of like narcissistic, like not in the way that we think about today, like with that buzzword, but maybe overuse that term, (laughs) but but they're so it's for survival. So they're so, so again, it's kind of the classic, like why do children blame themselves for their parents' divorce? Right. So, so kids don't have this in check. They're just very much oriented towards this is me. This is my fault. Kind of, it's all about me for good or bad. Right. And so when quote unquote bad things happen, they go into it's me. I'm not good enough. Like that's kind of the biggest thing that that's one of the bigger ones that we find. So all that happens, childhood goes along, kid goes on, grows up. Well, there's still this kind of treasure trove of beliefs that have never been reviewed. (laughs) They're still in the special folder in the brain. And it's really difficult to access that folder, so to speak, using traditional talk therapy because it's in a different part than the part of the brain we use for traditional talk therapy is the prefrontal cortex, kind of up here in front, very highly evolved, kind of like the last part of the brain to evolve in in evolution um, that makes us like reasonable and logical. And we're like, and so with talk therapy and CBT, as you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is a lot of like, let me examine, is this belief about myself true, right? Logic. The part of the brain we're talking about with EMDR is not on board with that, all of that. It's it's back in sort of a primitive part of the brain that has to do with survival, fight or flight, right? It's very much not um, conscious. So we would almost call that like subconscious or unconscious, right? So when something reminds us of an experience we've had that is stored in that folder, we might have a really big reaction and have no idea why, <laughs> right? So for, and we all experience that. Right? Absolutely. And I think people get discouraged with themselves because they're like, why am I letting this get to me? Because logic says this makes no sense, right? Mm-hmm. But that part of the brain is almost like, it's almost like a mini child's brain where it's like, no, I feel like I'm in third grade again being teased by my classmates, right? And I feel this, you know, tiny. Right. So yep. it's it's like the way I explain it when I do EMDR too yeah. Is, yeah. is it's sort of like an active memory. Mm-hmm. So when you, you and whereas all the other things are stored on a bookshelf in yes. like long term. And so I can pull off the bookshelf of my long term memories mm-hmm. and say, Oh yeah, look, I did this, you know, the summer of 85 and we went and I just put it back. Mm-hmm. No problem. But yep. when we access this part of the brain, yep. I'm not retelling the story. I'm yes. reliving it. I'm yes. re-experiencing it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so as part of the pitch that you were asking about is, um, I do say to people, to the client, I say, now we are going to intentionally have you re-experience that memory so that we can put it in its kind of proper folder. So the folder, you know, we need to put it and file it away underneath. I was doing my best. I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that where it's like, I'm not the problem. Yeah. This was just a horrible experience and I'm okay, right? Mm-hmm. But if it never gets refiled, it just keeps kind of creating this. Lots of different issues, as you know, with, with trauma can create anything from depression, anxiety, chronic pain, Right. Um, yeah. All sorts of different things. So we, in, in a very simplistic sense, we need to refile yes, this because exactly. if it's not refiled, we are always going to have these what we refer to as triggers yes. that are going to reactivate that. Exactly. So how does I mean, it's been filed yep. Yep. and yep. it's real easy filing. Yep. How does 
how does that happen? Where yeah. somehow, because we can't reach into our brain and, you know, mm-hmm. so how does that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, so I think um, a little bit ago when I was talking about bilateral stimulation, so the founder or the creator, so, so to speak, of EMDR, Francine Shapiro, she somehow figured out that we can kind of access that file with this thing called bilateral stimulation, which is, again, the E and M, the eye movement. You can move the eyes back and forth. You can do a tapping sound. It can be like little buzzers you hold in each hand. It's a, lots of different ways to do it. But she she had this um, discovery that it's sort of mimic. she thinks kind of mimicking this um, REM sleep, like REM, rapid eye movement sleep, that we do when we're in a deep sleep and we're kind of theoretically processing the events of our day, right? And so she said, well, why can't we sort of mimic that and help the brain sort of like file these things that we can't get to just talking about it? And people I've found, my clients are amazed where they're like, they don't really believe me at first. They're like, oh, I'm pretty sure talking about it is just fine, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. And so then I'll say, all right, well, just let's just try like one memory and just see how it feels and see how it goes. And so what we typically start with is a situation present day that's bothering them way out of proportion to what they think. But like I had a client who um, it was something about her roommate was really sloppy, like and not doing chores. And and she's thinking, you know, this has nothing to do with my past. Right. So that was what we started with just for again, just to try it out because I, I wanted it to be, you know, uh, not too much of a huge, gigantic trauma thing mm-hmm. right away in the beginning. And so sure enough, she went straight back to she was in charge of doing certain chores and she her her siblings got to go and play mm-hmm. and she was kind of, you know, forced to do this stuff and it was feeling really unfair. So now some people might look at that and say, well, that's not trauma, right? Right. However, I think the point was as soon as we introduced the bilateral stimulation – her brain went right back there. She wouldn't have had that memory if we were just trying to speak about it, right? So as soon as we introduced the bilateral stimulation, she was like, this feels exactly like, and she went straight back there. <laughs> so yeah. that's a, an example I, I give about just, you just have to kind of try it to get like how it works. But mm-hmm. people often are surprised by how quickly their brain It works. is. It is amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, try it. All yeah. the cool people are doing yes, it. Yes, all right? the cool so, people are doing it. <laughs> uh, but I think all the people that are really finding freedom are doing it and mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said can you speak about neuroplasticity and, and how that works and sure maybe the filing process or i like to talk about it and kind of yeah building a new highway so like you know it's like in yes. one part of the brain that it's like we got uh, i'm being let off the exit ramp into a really mm-hmm. violent neighborhood yeah. and it's really unsafe and we can we can do things to actually build onto that road so it takes us into a really safe place. Right. What can you, how does sure. that work? Well, actually, so neuroplasticity, I think, is a big part of EMDR because what we're trying to do is identify what are those, um, the roads that have these ruts that are so well-traveled, right? Mm, yeah. And so what we're trying to do is identify what are those roads that we've been down that aren't really serving us anymore mm-hmm. and how can we switch to a different belief? So the old road belief might be, I'm not good enough, this always happens to me, you know, many different versions of that, whereas the new one might be, I'm good enough and there's challenges in life that come up, right? And 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 I can, I'm equipped, I can do it, like I can be effective so right. i think the more we identify experiences the person has had 
where they they kind of had this misunderstanding about it's because I'm not good enough, were able to eventually shift it to it's just how life kind of goes and I'm okay. Like kind of this sense of I'm okay, I'm safe, I can do it. So kind of going from disempowered to empowered, I guess you could say. Do you so, find that with your clients as well? With I do. Yeah. And uh, I've gone through EMDR myself. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting this sort of like, I won the lottery response. Like, I'm free. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. And I, uh, it was more kind of like, for me and, and watching clients, it's it's more subtle. Almost yeah. like when you're taking off on, on a plane, mm-hmm. you're like, are, oh, are we off the ground yet? No, we're not quite yet. Oh, oh wait. Are, oh, yeah, we are. You know? And <laughs> sure, yeah. hey, we're up yeah. in the air. And yeah. it's sort of subtle and you can't quite tell, but you notice yeah. that, hey, this, this doesn't bother me anymore. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not this sort of cathartic moment. Sure. It, 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 sometimes it is. Sometimes it, can it is. Be. It can be. Yep. And, yep. But I... I but it's Always. also okay if it's not. It's a, Yeah, right. Yeah, I want to kind of prepare my clients. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not going to have this uh, almost religious experience. You, it could right. be subtle and you won't even notice at first. Yeah. And actually, that is so true because I think about clients that I've been working with for a handful of, a handful of months up to even maybe a year or more where they've been steadily doing the EMDR and they don't always even equate it with EMDR. It's like fascinating mm-hmm. because... I will see them responding differently to situations that they <laughs> struggled with from, right. you know, from right. the time I started seeing them and they will say, yeah, so this thing happened at work and like, it's the thing that used to really throw them for a huge loop. Right. And they're saying, and this time, you know, all I did was blah, blah, blah. It like, just so like handled it beautifully. And then I'll be like, wow, like what was helpful? Like, how did you do that? And they're like, well, I don't know. I just think, you know, I'm just kind of, as I, as I get more experience and at at the job and, you know, so again, they don't necessarily even attribute it to, I'm sitting there like, "Mm, I think it might be, you know, a little of this work you've been doing. And I'll try to kind of point out and say, now think about how this used to feel for you. And then they'll be like, yeah, like, wow. So, but I've had many times where people don't necessarily even attribute it to EMDR, oh, absolutely. Right? They're, the, they're the the last they're the they're last the, ones. They're like yes. late to the party, you know. Because it's I liken yeah. it to people that I've seen who are depressed. Sure. And, and when they start to really get out of their depression, they're the last one to realize. I notice it. We see it. Family will see yeah. it. Yeah. Because we're you know we're so much more removed. And I tend to see it first, then the family. Yes. yes. And then the client. Yes. And so I think you describe it really well. It's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So it's funny. I'm going to give away how little I know about IT and computers. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but it almost like you, uh, that's why I like the files metaphor. Yes. Because what we're talking about is really EMDR, EMDR getting into the operating system itself, right? Exactly. If we ever run into computer issues and we have an amazing IT tech team here, yes. and you know, they, they will do patches and fixes overnight. And then suddenly right. it's like, hey, look at this. Like my computer's running so nicely. Mm-hmm. I don't think about the fact that what about those deeper changes that occurred? that allow me to access my typical day-to-day files in an easier way. Yes. No, that's fabulous. That might be, that might be my new analogy because (laughs) that is exactly right. And I try to explain, like, we have to get into kind of the roots of where these beliefs kind of started. Right. And I think that appeals to a lot of clients and not all. And, Mm -hmm. and so one of the things I did want to mention today is for as amazing and incredible as EMDR is and, and the sales pitches and everything, I think, there are times where it's not appropriate for everyone. Um, and so 
I try to give that caveat. Like if I get a referral coming in saying this person wants to see you for EMDR, Mm -hmm. I will say, let me meet this person. Let's do an intake and like, let's really talk about this because sometimes if the person has too much emotional kind of, it's too hard to think about their trauma right away, we would want to build up their skills quite a bit before we kind of delve in. Because I don't know about the two of you, but I've had clients who have said, oh, I tried EMDR and it was horrible, right? Where right. I we jumped in right, you know, kind of way right. too fast and right in it. And I think, unfortunately, that's just maybe, um, you'll hear that from time to time, but I try to, to prepare people. We're not going to start today <laughs> with mm-hmm. your most gigantic, scariest trauma that's ever happened to you. We'll probably start with something like the roommate being sloppy <laughs> right. and, and not doing the dishes type of thing to see how it goes. Right? And to your point, some people do jump in mm-hmm. very quickly yes. with their clients yep. and the clients aren't ready. Yep. And like, because that neuroplasticity, those yeah. new neurological pathways aren't being developed yep. and they're not able to stay in the window of tolerance. tolerance. Can exactly. You Should I speak about that? Yeah. 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 So actually I'm really glad you brought that up because, um, as we said earlier, the EMDR does have some component of reliving, right? Like you're, you're actually re-experiencing emotions and even body sensations that you've had in the past when you were going through the original experience. So, um, I use a zero to 10 scale. I think it's subjective units of distress, right? It's very, of course, everything has to have a really fancy name with, with therapy, right? (laughs) Um, but, but basically I do a, a, a zero to 10 scale And I say to people now, throughout our process, you might notice your emotions are getting more intense. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, I would like you to let me know, um, if able, you know, if you ever get to like above a seven or eight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there is this quote, quote unquote, window of tolerance where if you're too distressed when we're doing a certain memory, it's not, it's not going to be helpful. We want to make sure you can come back down and not be kind of really, really under duress. So, um, I always say, I try to get people familiar with kind of their, their scale and their body and and emotions and make sure we keep it seven or below. Is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Because the danger of when Mm -hmm. we get above seven, Mm -hmm. we, uh, that frontal lobe, that part of the brain you were referring to, (laughs) the blood starts to drain out and go Mm -hmm. to our extremities Mm because we're in fight or flight mode. And now we're high anxiety yes. and we can't we need to be able to have some dual awareness exactly that okay i'm up and out yep i always tell my clients that yeah, i call this the forget you zone B. <laughs> and then there's like a i, love I that. say it, so this is the f word for when we get up and out it's forget you like i'm out of here right, right. Yeah. yeah some people have other words but those yeah. are the ones i and then sometimes we can actually go down and out too mm. i call this the forget it mode. Oh, that's and so helpful. Like, yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm up and out and I'm like fight or flight anxiety, yep. or I, I kind of shut down and it's kind of like it's too depressive, shutting down, dissociating. Exactly. Yeah. I once, I went to an EMDR refresher at one point a couple of years ago and the instructor referred to that, but what did you call the down, down, down and out? out. Yeah. And that's kind of the playing dead phenomenon, like oh. in, in survival, because we have fight, flight, freeze, and then play dead. Yeah. And to me, that's like, you're so shut down. You're just like, I'm just going to like lay here and sort of accept so what my do you, fate. What do you do? Because clients yeah. with, uh, with trauma, yep. they are going to go up and out very yep. easily, or yep. they're going to go down and out. Yep. 
what do you do to prepare them? So that's exactly where it's handy to have a couple of examples like the one I was talking about with the the roommate who was messy is is something that's like mildly irritating to start with or even like mildly distressing. And then what you're going to do is see how quickly they can change state. So like, you know, they might start off at beginning of session one or two, maybe zero. And then we go into this, you know, irritating situation and now they're like at a five and we kind of are going to see how quickly can they come back down. So it, it is sort of an experiment of how are they able to shift? And sometimes I was actually just explaining this to a patient yesterday is sometimes for whatever reason, if some people go up to that eight real quick Mm -hmm. and then have a hard time coming back down. So that's where we're going to do kind of the baby steps method with EMDR and just really practice. Okay. When you're up to that seven or eight, what skills can we practice and, and just kind of learn how your body does with this and Mm -hmm. like calming down and stuff. But that's where the skills are so huge. So if someone comes in and they have a lot of, if they have a hard time with going up really fast or being too far down where they're almost in that shutdown mode, then we're going to try doing the state change quite a bit <laughs> before right. we actually kind of hit the hit the ground running, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. So there is some prep work because mm-hmm. as you said, mm-hmm. I don't just jump in to the deep end and Correct. say, let's do this. We call it reprocessing, yes. doing the EMDR. Yes. Yep. Okay. Let's, we have to do some prep work to make mm-hmm. sure yep. Yep. you don't stay up and out or stay down and out of right. that window of tolerance. Right. Okay. Well, and then there's also this, this piece about kind of going back to the fundamentals of psychotherapy too, which is cool is um, the therapeutic relationship. So the, that's the other piece I'm always kind of have one kind of eye on too, is when this person comes in and meets me for the first time, there is this piece about they need to trust me before I can go to this place with them, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm also curious about that. And I'm curious, what other experiences have you had with therapy? You know, kind of their attachment, like, are they able to kind of right. trust me? And for some people, it takes quite a while to, to get the therapeutic relationship intact enough to then go kind of to these places. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Well, I think it makes sense to us. Of I, think I could see somebody listening who yeah. is considering this could say, well, going up and out, going down and out, <laughs> going into these <laughs> weird <on>. places. <laughs> what in the world are you doing in session? Yeah, what, what's right. going to happen? So, right. I mean, you said even at the beginning, this mm-hmm. was really different than typical therapy. So mm-hmm. what happens when somebody yeah. comes in? What's a session look like? When someone comes in like pre-EMDR? Maybe not pre, but okay. I think people are like, yeah. they're going to have to work on some skills. Yep. And yep. You're going to help them to stay kind of in that window of tolerance. Yep. When you start to do actual EMDR, mm-hmm. What's the session like? Absolutely. So one of the things right before the first EMDR session is I have them start a kind of a running list of memories. And I say, try to shoot for like 10 or so and sort of have them ranked in order from least, like least distressing to most distressing. So then when they come in for that first, we'll say that when we're going to actually start, they've got their list and we're going to pick the one that's the least distressing. And so what I then want to do is I want to kind of activate the brain to really think about an image or um, what is that specific memory on your list and really kind of I'll have them kind of start to tell me about it and like, what, where were you? What, who was with you? Kind of like put me in the scene. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I just, I'm pretty simple. Some, some therapists um, do 
uh, equipment and stuff, but I just kind of tap on the side of my chair like this. And so I'll say, okay, you can close your eyes and I want you to have that kind of image in that memory. I'm just going to introduce the tapping for about 30 seconds and you don't have to speak. You don't have to say anything, but I want you to just notice what happens during that tapping. And when I stop tapping, I'll prompt you to open your eyes. And all I need to know is what you noticed. That's all. And so people be like, okay, like, it's kind of weird. It's like the first few are a little bit like, what is this? Right. Yeah. And so then they'll do that and they'll say, okay, here's what I've noticed, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, okay, are you noticing any change in your, cause I'll take a baseline of their distress before we start mm -hmm. that first set. And I'll say, did you notice any change to your, you know, number on the scale? No, not at all. Okay. So then another thing I say a lot is start with that, which is kind of a way of saying, start where you left off. Mm -hmm. Same thing again. Right. Mm -hmm. And then. As we go along, you'll I, I people will start to notice there is emotion there because they're remembering like, oh, this because then I'll say I, I, I really mix it up, but I'll say something like, OK, so how you're feeling right now as you tell me about the scene, what your body is feeling like, all of that for this next set, I'm going to have you do what's called a float back and I'll walk you through it. So I'll say, go ahead and close your eyes. I'll start to tap on the sides of my chair and I'll say. Floating back in time, how is this feeling familiar? When have you felt this way before? And so the example of mild irritation towards the roommate, so frustrated that I can't figure this out, that's where the float back, that's when the person usually has mm. a memory or some sort of, even if we're starting with a memory, they'll kind of go into how I felt. And then you start to see emotion come out. And then you'll start to see like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, like then people are like reliving it. So then we're like in the thick of it, right? So from there, we want to identify what was the belief they took on about themselves. Mm -hmm. So after a few rounds and kind of getting them back in the memory, they're kind of reliving it. Then we do a set where I tap again and they're kind of thinking, when you think about the situation, what belief did you take on about yourself? I am blank. So kind of fill in the blank. They don't have to say it out loud. But they, usually there's a word that pops in their head. So when I stop tapping, I'll say, okay, what'd you notice? They'll say, I am helpless or something like that. Mm -hmm. So then from there, we've got our memory, we've got our belief, we've got them reliving it. And we want to start from that point to reprocess mm -hmm. once we've gotten them kind of to that spot. And then it's like, okay, I do. And this is something I do that's maybe a little different. This wasn't in my EMDR training, but it was something that I learned from my own um, experience with EMDR is from there. I say, okay, I want you to imagine that age version of yourself coming and sitting next to you. So we'll say if it's, we'll say if it's Michelle, we'll say, I want you to have 10 year old Michelle come and sit next to you. In your imagination, I want you to ask her. I'm doing it. Yes, there she yes, is. Okay, she's she's here. on my couch. She's, she's here. <laughs> so in your imagination, I want you to ask young Michelle, what did she need to know about that situation? And that's where people will say she needed to know, like, why, why is this happening? Or this is unfair. I mean, they'll kind of just freestyle at that point because they're, they're in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then from there... We re, once we have identified what they needed to know, then we're going to make up a new scene and we just like make it up where I usually will have them step in as the good enough, I'll say gently moving your parents aside or whoever the adults were. I want you present day, Michelle, to step in 
and be the good enough parent to little Michelle and replay that scene however you want with an opposite outcome. And it's a little bit abstract, but people really get it. Like they're like, okay. So then they replay the scene for another round of tapping. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, okay, what'd you notice? And they'll say, well, if I had the chance to do the parenting, I would have done it this way. And it's usually like a lot more calm and a lot, you know, just more clear or at least more lighthearted. And so that's when you can see people start to shift and they're like relaxed. Like it's cool. Like they're just, and they're like, and they're like, yeah, wow. I feel, I feel different. You know, yeah, and I'll, little Michelle's yeah. right now. <laughs> right, She's yeah. doing good. <laughs> I, you know, this is the part yeah. too where I wish I could demonstrate EMDR with therapists because I think even in the therapy with therapists, they, there's a lot of kind of misunderstanding about what we do, but mm-hmm. that's basically it. Yeah. Like that's basically a session. So right, and yeah. so one of the things I learned and appreciate about EMDR is the idea that. The brain knows how to heal itself yes. if it's given the opportunity. So yes. if I if I cut my arm, <clears throat> uh-huh. um, I might put a bandaid on it. I might even forget about it. Take the bandaid off. Oh look, it's gone. You know, yes. it healed, yes. and the body can heal itself. And yep. so we're trying to do the prep work and setting the table so that the brain yeah. can heal itself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. and you see it happen. Yes. And yes. I don't know about you when I every time I do EMDR, I, I still kind of. Is this really going to work? And then it happens. So you have that too? Yes. (laughs) Really? It's so funny too because I don't know what that is about, but I do because I can see that oftentimes the client feels that way where Mm -hmm. they're kind of thinking, is this really going to work? Or they're thinking it won't work for me. Like I'll be the one exception, right, where it doesn't work. But um, I I will say to them, and it's kind of for myself too, is your brain will know where to go because I think they're nervous about making something happen. Like, yeah. okay, I have to think and I have to solve this and I have to, and I'll say, if you, the more you let go, the better, because your brain will float to what you need. So mm-hmm. the memory or what you needed to know or the belief or whatever it is. And so I'm halfway saying it for myself too, because it's mm-hmm. like this, I've seen this work so many times and it's been, you know, seamless. And so if, and then sometimes people will have a little anxiety during the session. They'll be like, am I doing this right? Right. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, yeah, the right. other thing I say a lot is yeah. you cannot mess this up. Like yeah. this yeah. is not one of those things where you can have to start over and fail it or whatever. Like any, any of this is good. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very fun. I feel very, very blessed to be able to do it with, with my clients and, and talk about it. <laughs> right. And we're really thankful that we have you. We've got a number of other clinicians, too, that are trained in this and can mm-hmm. offer the service. Yep. Is there any other things about EMDR that you want to share with the audience that you think Ooh. would be just really good for them to know about? Even just, um, you know, what would might be like a sign or indicator of like, hey, mm. maybe I should talk to mm-hmm. uh, my current therapist or look into EMDR therapy. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you for asking that because I did, I did think of something. Um, I think a lot of people have a hard time with that word trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Because, um, even when I started EMDR, not knowing a darn thing about it, I like as a client, when I started EMDR, I, um, I didn't know really what was meant by trauma and I didn't consider myself someone who had experienced quote unquote trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Now, so what I would tell people is keep an open mind with yourself. If you have certain things that just continue to be a problem for you that you've tried to kind of solve yourself or maybe try to talk therapy, maybe just think like, okay, maybe there's something to this. Like this could be me trying to 
figure something out. And so I just say, when it comes to that word trauma, don't worry too much about, do I meet trauma criteria, right? Do I, have I had enough trauma to do EMDR? I always, I've done it with people who never, who who have said, I've never been traumatized, right? Mm -hmm. But trauma is so, um, what's the word, subjective that you can't really, you can't really say one is, this is official trauma and this is not. So I would actually say that to both potential clients and other therapists because Mm -hmm. some therapists too are like, well, I don't want to refer this client for EMDR because I don't know if they have enough trauma, Mm -hmm. right? So open mind with trauma. That's my, that's my two cents. (laughs) Yes. Krista, you are an absolute delight. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So glad. uh, We are glad that your clients have you. Yes. Uh, Mm. And we know that EMDR is highly researched. I, I've read that it's it's the most researched mm-hmm. form of treatment mm-hmm. for trauma, and it's yes. very effective. Even though uh, it sounds complicated, in, in essence, it's it's very simple once mm-hmm. we start doing it. And yep. I'm so glad that you're doing it. Uh, we're glad that you joined us yes. today. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. And I'm going to apologize really quick because we probably should give Krista the number one clinic because she wins our Halloween costume <laughs> contest well, she's every one. single year. What were you guys, Mario Kart this year? No, so the first year we were um, a cat lady and cats. Yes. Oh, that's right. And then this year we were the Price is Right. And I have to give a shout out to the Moorhead <laughs> Clinic because last year, we didn't know, but last year they chose the price is right for oh. costume and then we did it this year but we didn't know and so it was there was a little you know controversy did we copy them and oh. i would say oh. they inspired us yes and love that yeah Positive and shout out to morehead because <laughs> yes, we love morehead too yes. <laughs> shout out to morehead so yes no it's a good it's a great clinic coming mm-hmm. anytime well, we are glad you came in today yes, and we're able to share in the podcast. And for those who are listening, we're delighted you joined us. And please feel free to follow up with Nystrom and Associates if you'd like to explore some EMDR therapy. And if you're struggling with anything at all, know that you can reach out to a qualified trained therapist to get some help. I really appreciate everyone being here. We look forward to having you join us next time. Thank you as always for listening and please be sure to leave us a review. While this podcast can't be a replacement for therapy, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today and join us again next time. Nice German Associates is always available to those who are struggling. If you find yourself in need of support and help, please check us out at nicestermcounseling.com.